Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to Evolving Digital Self. I'm excited to introduce to you Laura Burton, who is the queen of sales hacks. Welcome, Laura. Hi, how are you? So Laura and I met recently at New Media Summit, great podcasting event. I know we talk about it a lot on this show because we've met some great people there, both as guests and as we've been interviewed on their shows. But when you were there, you were telling this great story about sort of the evolution of sales and how do you get people really working with sales in the right way today because it's completely changed. Well, you know, it's interesting what's changed is more of where you're going to get in front of people. And one of the big differences about sales today from years ago was that now you're kind of competing with your own client for their attention because they're trying to get their own attention on social media. They're getting their followings going. You know, never before has everybody been a brand and looking for attention where businesses are marketing. So, you know, the personal space of, hey, I'm doing my thing has overlapped with marketers. And so that's an interesting dynamic. And with everyone kind of finds themselves into sales in different ways. You know, like I was asked yesterday or a couple of days ago, how did you get into sales? How did you become a salesperson? It's like, it was totally by accident. I mean, <laughs> when I was a little kid, I was about eight years old and I wanted to go out and my mom was gone. And I had to ask my dad permission. And I was a little intimidated by my dad and he was working and I was so scared to ask him. And I was really hesitant and I was worried about him jumping and, you know, like snapping at me. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. You know, he just like, no, you know, because I was interrupting him and I was, I was crushed and he was in advertising. So he sees his daughter just completely cave and he called me back over. The guilt must have killed him. And he was like, Laura, come here. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you really want to go? And I'm like, you know, shaken and sniffly. And I'm like, well, yeah. And he said, you didn't sell me on that. And he gave me my first sales lesson. So I was never afraid of being told no. And I learned how to be a negotiator as a child. And he had to deal with me as a negotiator from that point on. And I just always wound up in sales positions, but I didn't know that sales was actually even a thing. You know, it's like just something you did to get a job. I love the way you phrase it as a negotiation rather than sales, because I know a lot of people feel like sales is an icky word and negotiation isn't because you're in a negotiation. The ultimate outcome is win-win for everybody. For sure. And the other thing that's really different, I think, you know, with some of the movies that have been put out with boiler rooms situations and the way salespeople are portrayed, there are those environments for sales, but really sales is about helping people get something that they want. They usually it's about being better. They want to feel better. They want to look better. They want to have something better. And so when you're talking to someone, you're finding out what is the goal here? What are you trying to do? And selling from the approach of let me see if we can get you the best solution isn't really about here, I'm going to sell you this product. It's okay, let's see what's going to make you the happiest. And let's give you a great, great, awesome experience so that you can walk away happy, succeed in what you're doing, and completely love me as a salesperson because I just took care of you so well. So it takes away the icky part. And the negotiating is really about how do we make the numbers work for somebody? Because usually 
the person who's there wanting to buy something wants the lowest price as possible. And the person selling wants to get the most that they can. And you have to kind of, you know, work your way through, how am I going to make that? How are we going to come to that happy medium together? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that can be a tricky conversation if you're not comfortable with that conversation too. So I'm curious, I mean, in our conversation here with uh, Evolving Digital Self, we talk a lot about the human relationship with technology. And in the, in the instance of sales, all of a sudden, we're finding a lot of sales is done through a mediated tool. And in some context, that means that it eliminates the interaction with the individual for the sales. It's more, it's something that is a template. It's a boilerplate. It's a website or whatever. But in, in what we're experiencing right now, where everybody is confined and they're Actually, even those face-to-face sales conversations are happening through mediated means. Can you share with us around sort of how do we evolve that conversation when we're dealing with the mediated means and sort of both from the side of you eliminate the individual, that dialogue, or that you have a mediated tool? Well, the beautiful thing about technology that I absolutely love is that you can do business with anybody anywhere in the world that has a connection that is interested in what you're doing if they find you. And so there's a lot of benefit there. And when what's behind the technology and the artificial intelligence and what's been set up are the parameters that somebody put in to say, here's what my business is, here's what we do, and here's the criteria. And so for the business owner that's putting that together for the customer, it's about the customer experience. How are you making people feel? How much do they need what you're doing? Is this an essential thing that they have to have? You have to be showing up in certain ways. If it's an emergency service, they're going to have to find you, bam, and call you. And if you've got something where it's a luxury, how are you presenting that? And the artificial intelligence is amazing in how it can dial things in and find the people that should be seeing you. And that I absolutely love. Some people think it's a little creepy. I actually appreciate it. (laughs) I don't want to see motocross vacations. Thank you. You know, I want to see the things that I'm interested in. And so I get things tailored to me with the technology. I think what people need to remember too is that what's changed a lot in the sales conversation is that if somebody is picking up the phone or contacting you directly, it's because they have found everything they have found online and they need more help. And so like the real estate industry has changed so much because if someone's looking for a property, they can go and find anything on the MLS on their own for months and months before they ever really decide, I'm going to talk to a realtor. So understanding that you're not necessarily there to inform them or give them the education. If they're asking you questions, they want to verify that you know what you're talking about based on what they researched. And so the interplay of technology makes it so much nicer for a salesperson because we have access to information in a heartbeat. I'm on a sales call and somebody asks me a question about something I'm not familiar with. I'm Googling on the side while I'm talking to them to find out so I can follow the conversation. We never had that before. (laughs) I can seem so much smarter because I can be up to speed. And the different management systems for salespeople to be managing their lead pipelines and and how they're communicating with people, automated emails that can be sequenced, things that are going on. It's much easier to be efficient with your time using the technology. The one thing behind every single bit of technology, though, has to be the human factor of making someone feel good. And you can create the technology and the languaging and the messaging so that you make someone feel good. But it's that heart of the person who put it together that the person's going to feel through the technology. And it's important to remember that. 
Yeah, no, I think it, absolutely. And then I think that's, a, that's ultimately a challenge for some people, but I think it, it's really an opportunity. And if you look at it as an opportunity, then it, it's a, a lot easier to engage with it. Absolutely. And fortunately, there are a lot of people who are good writers out there who can put together messaging for you. One thing I think that's a challenge for someone like me who loves to write is I'm not good at writing about myself. I mean, (laughs) there isn't a professional writer that I know that writes decent copy for themselves. I have seen someone put together a piece for a client and it's the most brilliant thing ever. And because they put it together for themselves, it doesn't come across the same. And so we do need to help each other and reach out for help at times and recognizing where you have your strengths and are you separated enough from your product and your service to be able to write about it effectively as a marketer or not. You need to understand that. And if you look at the data, this is the other thing that's great about technology. The data tells it all. It's all about the numbers. If people are coming to your site and they're leaving right away and they're bouncing, you're not talking to their heart. If people are engaging and they're checking everything out, there are tools right now where you can actually look at a video of somebody's movements and what they did exactly every time they visited your website. You know, that's like watching someone walk through your storeroom. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah, no, those are amazing tools. My husband and his company have been using it for uh, a beverage that they're, they just put out into the market. And it was fascinating to watch where sort of the eyeballs go within the site and how long they sit and where they get stuck because they were looking at the some new design and, and whether it was adapting properly or not. It's pretty cool to see some of the technology evolve in that way and empower us with the data that comes from it too. I'm curious, you, I want to circle back a little bit on the copy piece, because I think that's a really important piece to, to keep in mind. You know, we often get caught up in the language that we use for communicating rather than what our customers, our ideal customers are asking for. And sometimes that really gets in the way of writing the best copy. What are some of the tools that you use for understanding what, you know, what is the language people are using? What words are people searching for when you're trying to create something that really resonates for their needs? It's a great question. And it's so valuable for someone to understand this. Google has tools where you can see the keyword searches that people are using. If you just go in and type in what do you want asking questions? I was actually looking at an AdWords account. That's the Google ad platform. And an associate of mine was showing me an account. And this was for a a company that cleaned up after crime scenes. And one of their keywords had been put in what they call a broad match. And so all kinds of things that just happened to have these three words in it that people were typing in these long sentences to find something, they were paying a fortune for stuff that they should not have been showing up for. And the way the algorithm works now with Google is it's neuro matching. And it's gotten so sophisticated that Google actually will look at what someone is typing in and goes through all the indexing of everything that's been written on the internet to find what is going to be appropriate for that person and what is the intention, what are they looking for? And someone may notice that when they do a search, if they're looking for research and information, the way they type in their inquiry is going to bring up information sites. They may type it a different way and they're going to get sales sites of people selling products. So understanding what you need to do to get in front of your clients has to do with looking at what is the data telling you? Google has a keyword search tool. Facebook has some different things. So you just have to go find where the information is. And if you don't know where to find it for yourself or it's 
confusing, just get with an internet marketing company or somebody who specializes in that, and they'll be able to walk you through it and show you some of these things. You bring up a good point in the internet marketing company, because I had a conversation the other day with, uh, we were talking about recruiting the right teams and getting the right skill sets that you need, because internet marketing is very broad, right? It's, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're going to have, anybody can throw up a shingle and say, I'm an internet marketing specialist. And it's like- And they do. And they do. And they do. (laughs) And they do. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I worked in social strategy for 25 years. And believe me, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, I do social strategy. I'm like, okay. Then, you know, and you start talking to them, oh my God, like, okay, they know how to do, they know how to do a Facebook page, but like beyond that, they really don't understand strategy. I mean, it's much more of a holistic, anyway. But I think the the challenge when you're talking about something like internet marketing and digital marketing, and what's the best way to find out what the words are for when you're looking for very specific fixes or specific tasks? So for example, a little bit earlier in the green room, we talked about funnels, for example, and that's one piece of a sales strategy. There's so many different elements and to break it down, if you don't know what you want, you just know, I need to get a presence out on, you know, I need a better presence on my, on the internet. And within that, like some people don't even know, like, do I need a brand? Do I need a, you know, do I need a marketplace? Internet marketing is very broad. It's very huge. So can you talk a little bit about sort of some easy steps to identify what are sort of the key pieces so you can identify the experts to best to work with? If you're going to it's, delegate. Yeah. And it's really simple. It's about who are you serving and where are they going to be looking for you? If somebody knows about what they want, like they know they're looking for a certain type of person who does a certain type of thing, they're going to go to Google and they're going to search for it. Now, being on Google is great depending on the industry because some industries are very, very competitive and the players are so large that getting on Google costs a fortune. And so getting on social media to get in front of people to let them know about hey, I'm here, works really, really well. When you're deciding on a strategy of where you want to go, you need to look at your target market. And you have to think about, okay, so a lot of people are on multiple platforms personally, but where are they going to be receptive to your business service or product? Is this a B2B thing, you know, business to business where they're looking for something? Are they going to be receptive to that on Facebook or is Twitter a better option? Do you need to be on LinkedIn because you really need to be targeting professionals in their work environment? You know, and different people have different opinions. Interviewing different professionals, and you can look up a ton of videos. You can find just about everything on YouTube, and you can get an understanding of some of the strategies and some of the ways that people go about it. If someone wanted to talk strategy and internet marketing, I am happy to have a free conversation with you because I do it all the time. I've been doing internet marketing for almost nine years. And so really, when you have something where you want to get in front of people, you want to go to social media because that's where they're hanging out. And some of the old school stuff works really well, too. You know, sending out mailers can work really well. Getting a flyer up in your community. There's nothing better than meeting people. I mean, right now we're meeting people on technology, but when you're able to be out and about and getting an understanding of why do people really want to be with you as a company? What is that customer experience that you're giving them? What sets you apart? And understanding why are those things important? You know, if you have great clients that you absolutely love, and they completely adore you. Find out why they do. Interview your clients. The best sales 
that you are ever going to have is the person who has worked with you has told their friend that you are the best thing that ever walked the planet and they need to work with you too. And so when you provide the most amazing customer experience and you find that extra bit to be just that much better, there's a theory called the razor's edge theory. I've been talking about it this week. It's kind of gotten my radar. And the difference between the gold medalist and the silver medalist is sometimes a fraction of a second. And the racehorse sometimes wins by a nose. So it's not that you have to be so much better than anybody else. You just have to edge yourself ahead that little bit more so that you're the one who stands out so that you're the one to get it. And if I'm on a sales call and I know I'm up against four or five different companies, I will say to the person, look, I want to win this. And I know that I just have to be that little bit better. So if you hear something that you think is really, really cool that I haven't talked to you about, please come back to me and let me customize anything you need. Because I want to be the one who does that extra more to make sure I'm the person you choose. And a lot of the times it works. <laughs> Not every time, but a lot of times it works. Yeah, that's a great strategy. And I mean, clearly you have the, you know, the passion and the, the I, I think the one thing we haven't really talked about is sort of the mindset piece and, and that comfort level of being able to, I guess, in some ways it's knowing your worth, but in some ways it's just being able to make the ask. And is that something you work with on with your clients is sort of that the mindset piece of sales? Absolutely. Because the first person you're selling when you're going to be selling is yourself. And as much as I've sold, I've sold over 30 years and have been selling all kinds of different things for years. I have to be sold on what I'm selling or I can't sell anybody. And it's not because I don't want to make a commission or I don't want to do a good job. I cannot put something in something I don't believe in. And I'm not that different from other people. So it's important to really fall in love with what you're doing. And you have to be in love with people and want to help them. You have to decide that you really, really like your potential client that you're talking to. You have to decide you like the person you're talking to. You have to find extreme value in who they are and what they want to do. And you have to understand their vision of what they want to create and help them find a roadmap of what they're going to do. And if for someone who hasn't really done sales and they just don't know, oh, I don't know if I can do it. If you care about people and you want to help somebody, you can sell anything on the planet. There isn't anything you can't sell if you want to really help someone get something that's going to work for them. And if you always think of it about the other person, you're not in the equation. Don't worry about what you're going to get. Just always do the right thing for them and it'll all come together and you'll get enough and you'll work with the right people. It's a great philosophy, and I, I think it's some valuable things to take into mind. One of the things that, as you were talking, was making me, it was reminding me of sort of that classic, like, I'm terrible at sales. You hear that, like, I can't do sales. I can't do sales. <laughs> so, and we talked a little bit before about delegating. What is your feeling on sort of the use of, of somebody else doing your sales for you? Having salespeople is great as long as you have given them the right training and the right materials to use. Building a sales force is not for the faint at heart. And it's important when you're looking at it, every single phone call, every single impression of somebody representing your company is going to have an impact on your overall brand. And again, that's that customer experience. And so you want to make sure that you're hiring people who really like people and who really care about doing the right thing for somebody who really understand what the product is and really believe in it. Because if they don't believe in it and they're just rolling around, they'll say whatever they have to to get someone's credit card. 
And they have to be motivated to set people up for success long-term. And they have to be rewarded for doing the right thing. And if the motivation from the top is, where's the deal? How many deals are you closing today? Get the credit card. And if that's the language that you're using in your company, that's turning your customer into a transaction instead of the person that you want to have be your greatest mouthpiece on the planet. And so it's how you bring your salespeople in. It's always good when you have people who have experience as long as the experience that they have is in the right way and in the right thing. But if you find caring people who really can understand your product enough to explain it and are happy enough to be calling people on the phone and calling them when they don't reach them and sending emails when they don't reach them and continuing to follow up in a systemized way with the process, you'll be successful. You have to make it enjoyable for somebody. And that technology piece is really important too, because when you have a sales process and and technology set up where it's super, super easy for them to do all their little tasks, then it's a whole lot more fun. But if they're bogged down with admin stuff and every time they have to send an email, it's, it's a pain and you know, there are too many things to click and too many steps. And it's just, you're not going to have as good as an experience for them. So your customer experience is also the employee that you have. Because when they leave the job, they're going to talk about whether or not they like you mm-hmm. or, what, <laughs> or, or what might be happening. And then the other thing that is really annoying at times, because everyone will go on the internet and leave reviews, you have employees that maybe weren't even great employees leaving bad reviews about. So you're not only worried about your clients. But now your ex-employees sometimes will pose as clients to bash you and tell everybody the horrible things you do and not taking care of your clients properly. So I guess the bottom line, if you're going to be in business and have a good experience, especially with this technical world, is do the right thing and have integrity. Mm -hmm. Offer a product or service that's of value and be good to people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that thread should should apply everywhere. But And I think people, I mean, I have hope in people and I, I do believe that people are generally good. So they are. So, you know, I think if if you stay with that line, then you generally attract that type of person as well. I'm curious, we had a nice conversation earlier about paper and about sending things through the post, because that's something that sort of has changed. And I think it well, it has changed a lot in that it's gone through, but it's gone in a different wave now where there was a wave of too much mail. Remember the old catalog days where you just get stacks and stacks and stacks of catalogs. And then oh, yeah. I remember a friend of mine used to come to my mother's house and my mother had all the catalogs in her downstairs bathroom. <laughs> sort of oversharing. But he would oh. always go in there and he would like be in there forever. And we we're like, what is he doing in the bathroom? He's like, I'm shopping. <laughs> he loved, he would go, he loved going through the catalogs because they were totally different catalogs than he had anywhere else. So he he had got a big kick out of it. And I remember him coming one time and it was, you know, a couple of years later. And he's like, I can't go shopping. There's no catalogs. Everything's gone. It really struck me then that, oh, we don't get those paper catalogs anymore. I mean, it's good because we're not wasting all that paper. But I think there was a period where we just got so much post. And then there was a, you know, there's that wave of like, you know, you don't even look at the mail because everything comes electronically. And now there's this, particularly in quarantine, it's that walking to the mailbox and checking it and finding something that's actually directed at you mm-hmm. and the power <laughs> of that. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that personal connection piece? It's a great thing to be able to incorporate into your strategy because, again, it's all about the messaging and what you're sending and how you're making people feel. 
and the overall picture of what is it you're doing in the experience that you're giving people and making it enjoyable and informative for them. Real estate has always been great at sending postcards and having refrigerator magnets and walking neighborhoods because they farm. I, I briefly worked for a real estate agent at one point. And when I walked into her office, she said, I have a farm and I'm thinking chickens, sheep. I didn't, I had no clue. And yeah, I was like, <laughs> she looked at me and I looked at her. I was like, oh my goodness. And then she explained, here's my neighborhoods and this is what I do. And, you know, she always was putting out her magnets and the bus benches and in California. And so having things that you can send people gives them a reminder, having some kind of gift, having something that you can just make it a little bit more personal for them is really, really valuable. Because there's a, a strategy, if everybody's going zig, you go zag. And that's how you make it. Because if you're following the, the tide and you're going in, most of the time, you're not going to be at the leading edge of it because a lot of times for me, if I find out about something, it's way past it's already been going on. And so I have to create and innovate to stay ahead of what people are doing. So if I see everybody doing online courses, I don't want to do online courses. If everyone's jumping on the stage and I subscribe to a lot of marketers and they're selling all this stuff and I see the waves of emails and they're all joint venture partnering together, sending each other stuff, selling each other's packages. So it's like, okay, not going there, not doing that, not doing this. <laughs> Save myself a fortune and, and time that's just frustrating. So if you know what your competition is not doing, see if you can find some places for that. And I love the idea of, you know, getting something to them in the mail and doing something special. I have a planner and sometimes I'll send my book to people. You have a, a luggage tag for people that you'll send. You know, you have great stuff. So be creative. That's where you can have fun and people get to know you better. I go by the philosophy that was basically from my grandmother, Marie. You, you know, always send thank you notes. I'm not nearly as good as it as I used to be. I used to actually do handwritten thank you notes. And I just don't, you know, now it's maybe a, a Christmas thing or a holiday thing. I wish I was better at it. But I do. I mean, I always say thank you. I just don't necessarily put something in the post. And there's something that's really special about that. When you receive something that people, you know, somebody's actually taken the time to write it down, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it and get it into the mailbox. And we take for granted that that's, you know, that's an easy thing. It was normal before, but now it's like, where am I? Do I have stamps? Do I, where's an envelope? Or, you know, in my house, it's, do I have a pen? <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's funny as you're saying that is there are now companies, there are machines that are designed and programmed with certain fonts and you can input your letter and they have little pens and there's a robotic arm that writes handwritten letters. And so you can order thousands of these handwritten letters that were written by robots and have them shipped out. So there's, you know, if you don't want to handwrite yourself and you have enough quantity, you can find one of those services too. You certainly can. I mean, I think there's other ways also, but when, you know, when you're talking about fewer but more direct and relationship yeah. building in, in sales and just, you know, in building your network and, and support system, I found that one of the most powerful tools is to basically using like a LinkedIn. I have a practice of every morning. I, you know, as I'm reading through the news, if, I, if something strikes me and makes me think of a particular person, I will send it to them. I'll just send them the link nice. and say like, Hey, I was reading this this morning and thought you would enjoy it or I thought it might be relevant for you. And it's just putting you at the front of their thinking. That's all it is. And then it's just, 
oh, thank you for thinking of me. And it's not a sales thing. It's, it's purely out of like, I thought this might be a value to you. But it builds that relationship. And over time, you build a sense of trust and camaraderie that you want to support each other. So I think, you know, whether it's an electronic version or whether it's a physical note, I think there's a lot of value to that, just personalizing it and acting on when someone comes to front of mind. Of course. And it's always taking that action. And I love that you do that because sometimes people ignore that inkling or that thought that they have and they're like, eh, nah. oh, no, do that. Those are the things to do. Those are the things that make the difference. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, it's often people that maybe you think won't even respond. Oh, they're too well known. Or, you know, I met them at this conference and they were another keynote speaker. And, you know, we met for five minutes. But people appreciate when they're thought of, when it's actually a, you know, a personal connection. And I've found that almost everyone has responded back, even with just, you know, thank you for thinking of me. And, oh, I remember that conversation that we had because it just, it creates that trigger and it's a powerful connection tool to just acknowledge someone. It is. And then when you're able to bring out the best in someone, like I've always noticed, I actually wrote something about this recently, you know, when someone is loved and cared about, they become magnificent. And so even the person who's checking you out at the grocery store, when you can, you know, really connect with them and acknowledge them. I don't know if you notice this, but when someone smiles, it makes out like their most beautiful part of their soul. And it's just so much fun to see people smiling. And so when you can be that person who's that breath of fresh air, you know, and like some people don't like cold calling in sales, for example. Well, if you can just be this, you know, bucket of sunshine that just showed up in their life and, you know, you're just so excited to talk to them and hey, and even like my favorite thing to do to gatekeepers is, you know, they're like not really that nice or anything. It's like, you are the best. Thank you so much. If you could do this, this would really help me, you know, <laughs> they're just like, even when and they'll be rude. And I'm just like, you know, so appreciative of their time. And then they finally just have to break down. It's like, okay, what do you need? <laughs> Got to break through that gate with kindness. Absolutely. You know? you know, but people, that moment, you know, you never know how you're changing someone's day. You don't know what someone's going through. So true. And, and when you can bring that into their day. They really appreciate it. Everybody needs to have consideration. Everybody needs that moment. Some people don't feel significant and some people can get discouraged. I think entrepreneurs work so many hours and sometimes it gets kind of lonely or hard, but I would love them to all remember being special is just about caring about someone else for a moment and just showing up to be kind and, and use a nice tone of voice and how are you doing or whatever it is. We all need that so much every day. And when you can bring that into your business world and show up with that, it means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for those words, because I think that's something a lot of people need to hear. We're getting close to the end of the show, and I want to make sure that we talk about your upcoming book. Can you share a little bit Thank about you. that? Yes, I'm actually excited about this book. It's about perseverance, and it's the first secret in my first book, 12 Secret Sales Hacks. And perseverance is one of those magical things that people don't realize they're doing. And it is one of the keys and one of the secrets to success because anybody who has been successful has had to really endure and keep moving on. And there are going to be days where it's the perseverance of how do I make another call when I can't stand the thought of picking up the phone. And there's perseverance in pursuing something that you love and that you're really excited about. You know, professional athletes, they're impassioned. 
and they have to persevere doing their training. And when I decided to do this book, it was in December. And then when the whole pandemic thing happened, I realized so many people right now have been impacted in a way that they weren't expecting. And it probably wasn't their first choice on the menu when they thought about what they wanted. And so I've got about 18 people so far that are contributing their stories of perseverance, all different kinds of stories, different kinds of people. It's going to be really interesting. And then really giving tools of how to make perseverance work for you and how to deal with some of these situations and and how to use perseverance as a superpower, how to make that be your go-to muscle of strength and how to really understand where your courage is and, and how to tap into that all the time. So I'm really excited about the book and I'll be finished writing it probably target date is end of May. So I'm looking to release the book sometime in the summer. That's and great. Everyone, everyone should be back out then. <laughs> yeah, well, we hope so. We'll hope so. And if not, they've got plenty of time to read. So. Absolutely. <laughs> you, can, you can quit your Netflix for the day and, and uh, read Perseverance instead. Anyway, we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes so that if folks are listening after the, the launch date, they can find it. But in the meantime, they can maybe pre-order. We'll see. Anyway, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show today, Laura. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh, it's been great talking with you, Heidi. And thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did and you haven't subscribed already, please do so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. And if you take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review, we would certainly appreciate it and share it with your friends. Until next time, bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for The Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self-spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self-Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.